you. Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. I'm Luke. Wolf, what are you doing over there? Uh, just adjusting the yeah. microphone. Always adjust the microphone right now on the most productive day of the week. Thursday, of course. Tomorrow's Friday, going into a football weekend. The blood sport looms, does it not? Luke, how are you? Uh, you know what? We got everything in the Valley tonight, right? Okay, we've got we've got uh, Suns, Nets. We've got that at Footprint Center. We've got Coyotes Capitals, Alex Ovechkin, one a year, okay? He'll be here tonight, and you've got ASU basketball here tonight as well. You're missing. What more could you ask for? You're missing one other thing. What am I missing? The big red rage with Ron Wolfley oh, and Paul Calvisi. <laughs> so now every sport, everything is covered. Who's going to be your guest tonight, Wolf? Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to talk to Derb. We're going to have Derb on for a couple of segments. Derb's going to drop the Derb. knowledge. <laughs> He's going to drop the knowledge, of course. Yes, we'll have Derb. Darren Urban, based on means, if you're wondering right now, we're going to have him on the big red rage, of course. We'll ask him many, many questions, as you would imagine. You need to ask him at least one baseball question, so we do have every sport covered at that okay. point. Yeah, yeah that won't make any sense at all. But you know, just for my own game here, that's what it's really great matters. living in this city, is it not? Honestly, with everything we have going on from a sports perspective, just think beautiful. if we won games too. Yeah, like be... in addition to having all the teams, I guess. Why the joy. <laughs> We've got all these games. What if we started winning them? Be awesome. I tell you what. Okay, the Suns might soon. They get Cam Johnson back. You get Brooklyn tonight. No Kevin Durant. Uh, this was the game, right? This is the game back in July. Everybody circled this game. Okay, well, let's see. Now, do the math. DeAndre Ayton could officially be traded as of January 15th. Uh, they play Memphis on January 16th. Oh, look, they play Brooklyn on January 19th. What are you trying to insinuate right now? That the Kevin Durant trade scenarios that were out there feels like they've been jammed into a fridge. It feels like that was a, jammed into an icebox. It feels like that was 35 years ago. Yeah, it does. It seems very, very cold right now. Uh, Kevin Durant, oh man, it's, it seems like such a possibility that this could actually happen. Kevin Durant could be a Phoenix Sun in the offseason. That went bye-bye, as my old coach used to say. But, but yeah, very quickly right out the window. But Cam Johnson is coming back tonight. And Damn. he's, he's going to be on. Oh, okay. <laughs> I cannot hear his name without thinking that. Like, I ever. Know. No, you guys have ruined it. Yep. Or you've made it better. I can't tell. Mikel Bridges, uh, yesterday on with Burns and Gambo, talked about, hey, look, he gets his twin back. Excited my twin back. Just... <laughs> It just, it, just, it, feel, it just feels great for him to be back and just for him, just happy for him, you know, just, you know, going through that, being hurt and being out for a while. Um, just happy for him, for his mental and his excitement to be out there. I'm happy for him to be back. Man, the love right there between the twins, Mikael Bridges, of course, and Cam Johnson. That's the way that it is, though. It is. When you go out, you compete at the highest level our species can generate, and you do it with guys that you respect, man. It is a love that you share and an appreciation for each other. That's the great thing about the locker room, man. Even though these guys are a bunch of hyper-aggressive males for the most part, um, to go out and do battle, to go out and compete, to go out and play as hard as you possibly can and throw yourself against another dude who's out there trying to do the same thing, it is a beautiful thing. You build bonds, bonds that last for the entire life. 
And that's exactly what um, Mikel Bridges is alluding to right there. And it takes me back 30 years and puts me into a locker room immediately. Well, I mean, you knew Mikel was going to be happy. I'm sure at this point they're happy to have anybody back, but Mikel especially excited to have Cam back. Uh, Cam obviously excited to be back as well. He's the one that hasn't gotten to play since November 4th. And just think how frustrating it has been as a Suns fan out there watching this team and being like, man, this is this is horrible. They they can't they can't fix anything. They're five and seventeen in their last twenty-two. Now amplify that if you're Cam Johnson, because you've been sitting on the bench for over two months looking and being like, Yeah, I actually could help, but I can't get out there. So now he's back out there and uh, he was asked yesterday after practice if he's eager to take on the role of the guy who could potentially jumpstart this team back in the right direction. Very, very. Uh, I just think anybody who comes back can take some of that energy and life. And I've been out a little bit now, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to just getting back and doing what I do and the team getting back to winning games like we know we can. You know what it is, Wolf? Sarah said this in her update and it kind of got me thinking, you know, that Cam getting hurt was sort of the first blow and it just started the dominoes all in the wrong direction for this team. Um, Maybe him coming back starts the dominoes back in the right direction for this team because it doesn't sound like Chris Paul, maybe even Devin Booker are that far away. It doesn't, you know, Chris Paul's yeah. questionable for tonight. Right. Uh, my expectation I, I is very, very small for Cam Johnson and what Cam Johnson might do for the Phoenix Suns right now. What I want to see from Cam Johnson, I want to see him come back and I want to see him play with authority. Play with authority. I don't care how many shots he throws up. I don't care how many points he may or may not score. I just want to see him move with conviction on the court. That's what I want to see him do. First game back, I want to see him move with conviction, authority. Play with that kind of authority. I talk about it all the time, man. It's not the what. It's not the what. It's the how. So much of the time, DeAndre Ayton, a guy that I respect and love, think he's a good dude, yet at the same time, you watch him go out and play, and it's really, really hard. It's difficult, because you don't see the consistent effort that you want to see. With Cam Johnson tonight, it's the same thing. It is the same thing for me. I want to see him move with conviction and authority on the floor. I don't care if it's offensively or defensively. That's what he's got to do. You got to have confidence in the fact that your your injury isn't going to rear its ugly head and you suffer a, re- a relapse. Well, the other part of this too is is all this time Devin Booker's been out, and especially when he was first out, the conversation was okay. Who who can step in and make up for some of the scoring with Devin Booker out? And we saw other guys, you know, Mikel Bridges. He could do it one night, but he's doing other stuff. Maybe he can't do it the next night. We kept waiting for Da to do it, and he had a couple flashes, but Da. You know, that's one of the biggest disappointments of the season is with Devin Booker and all these guys out, this was DA's team for a month in there to step yeah. up and be number one overall pick, and I'm just going to dominate. And we may not win enough games, but I'm going to dominate. Well, he hasn't done that. But Cam Johnson is really the one best suited to help offset some of the scoring absence of Devin Booker. And I'm not saying he's going to do it tonight in his first game back in over two months, and they've said he's going to be you know, on a, on a minutes restriction. But to your point... Is he going to show signs of that? And, and honestly, Wolf, it's not even so much what it what he does tonight for me. It's how he feels when the game's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does he feel like, all right, this was a huge step and, and get me out there. The next two or three games, you're going to start to see Cam potentially take off. Yeah. Um, again, that's what I'm going to be watching tonight with Cam Johnson. I wish him well. It's great to see him back. Eight games. I can't believe it. Eight games. The guy played eight games, and now we're, we're seeing it. 
We, we all know what happened in the offseason with Jay Crowder. We all know what happened. Cam Johnson was going to be the starter, and we could not wait to see this, this iteration of the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul out there and Devin Booker out there and DeAndre Ayton and Mikal Bridges and, oh, look, Cam Johnson in the starting lineup. It just never really got off the ground. It never did. And that's why it's going to be fun to see him come back. And hopefully Chris Paul will get back out there and Devin Booker as well. He basically, Cam, basically played seven games. He played five minutes of that eighth game, got hurt. So in the seven games he played, they were 6-1. and The one loss was in overtime. And yes, other guys were healthy at that point, too. The one loss was that overtime loss to Portland. Uh, But in his last game that he really got to play in, 29 points on 59% shooting, 7 of 11 from 3. I'm not asking for that tonight, (laughs) but that's what we're building towards here, Cam. That's Cam Johnson right there. It's going to be fascinating to watch him go out and compete tonight. And again, let's hope he gets through it without any type of relapse. All right, we come back. uh, Another name entering the Cardinals coaching search. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search. Update, update, update. Well, we got another name in the mix here, Wolf. First of all, there's the report that uh, Sean Jefferson is reportedly interviewing for the England Patriots offensive coordinator <laughs> opening. Jeff. That's my dude right there, Sean Jefferson. I wish him well. The Patriots have hired like seven offensive coordinators, and yet they still haven't hired any. Uh, But as far as the Cardinals, you got Aaron Glenn, the Lions, from the Lions. Anybody that saw Hard Knocks remembers Aaron Glenn. Of course, when he used to play for the Jets as as a player, too. He's part of that Lions coaching staff that if they ever put together coaching staff teams that had to actually play football, the Lions would dominate because they have like Deuce Staley and Mark Brunel and Aaron Glenn and Dan Campbell. And they have somebody else really good, too. Huh? Players, yeah, man. former players, right there. Aaron Glenn, former player. Uh, so Aaron Glenn, though, is now somebody that the uh, the Cardinals are going to interview. You, so you can add his name to the list. That's another defensive mind. Got a couple clips here. Anybody that remembers, anybody that watched Hard Knocks in the off season, you think Aaron Glenn. You think Deuce Staley because they would just follow each other around practice and just constantly bother each other. Just, I mean, it was good natured, but just, they were all over each other. That was the theme, basically, of, of Hard Knocks when it was the Lions. Here's a sample of that. Yeah, start right here, baby. And Deuce, you're absolutely right. Ain't no doubt. You want something, we're going to give you something. Yeah. Well, we're going to take it. We want something, we're going to give you something. Take it. Yeah, yeah, you want. Take Let's go, man, compete. I'll compete them. That was their practices. You want something, you're going to take it. You want something, you're going to take it. It's what you do on the football field. You take it. Sometimes it's damage that you take. Other times, you're taking it from the other guy by providing more damage than he can provide. I can't tell you how many times I've done that through the course of my career. Gotten waylaid and waylaid myself. Um, And it was a beautiful feeling. It felt so good to go out there and compete. Compete, man. It's what you have to do. You have to understand what kind of paradigm you're in. And when you compete against another guy, I don't care what sport it is, man. I really don't. You got to be ready to throw yourself and hurl yourself into the melee. And it's 
the one thing, once again, where I'll continue to say there are guys that are so talented. I don't care what sport you're talking about. They're so talented, but they forget about the essence of competition. Competition is saying, I'm better than you are, Luke. I'm better than you are, and I'm going to prove it right here in front of all these people that are sitting around, all these people that are sitting at home watching television. I'm going to be better than you are. It's an aggressive act. Competition is an act of aggression. It is. You have to understand that, and you have to embrace it if you want to be good at competition. I can't believe you didn't watch the Hard Knocks at the Lions because they, they, more than any team I've ever seen on Hard Knocks, embody so many of the things that you consistently say on this show. But anyway, that's maybe part of the reason why they want to interview Aaron Glenn. Now, I'm again, it's not anything against Aaron Glenn. I'm going to stick to my stance of I think the Cardinals right now need a head coach that has already been a head coach in this league. I know. But I think Aaron Glenn, I mean, I understand why you would interview him. First of all, maybe he blows you away in the interview and you have to rethink things. But secondly, he maybe gives you a little insight into that, I would say, unique environment that Dan Campbell has built in yeah. Detroit. Watching Chris Hard Knocks. Spielman, too. Yeah, Chris That's Spielman again, as well. Chris Spielman is huge inside that front office. You watched that team in Hard Knocks and, and you were just like, man, these guys are so intense. If they start out losing games, they're going to be so disappointed. Like, how are they going to end? And they start out losing a ton of games. Yeah, you know but what then the, it flipped. What is toughness? What is toughness? It is the ability to endure. It's the, the ability to walk through adversity. To walk through it. That's what being tough is. To take damage and get up and do it again and again and again. To take damage and do it again. And to deliver damage as well. That's what tough is all about, to endure. Well, that's a team that coming off a year where they went 3-13-1 and, and started 0-10-1. Over and 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 over again. It's just so good. Sounds like J.K. Dobbins saying how tired he is. Just makes you want to start swinging right now. Somebody, where's the eye block? Where is it? So Detroit started this year one and six, and then flipped it around. And this is a team. And look, I mean, he, Aaron Glenn's their defensive coordinator. They, you could make a case, miss the playoffs because they lost a game where they scored forty five against Detroit. But it was earlier in the season. The second part of the season, they ended up going eight and two. And the two losses were one on Thanksgiving Day by three points to Buffalo, and then that Carolina game on Christmas Eve that ultimately was their undoing. Here's a clip of Aaron Glenn addressing the entire team uh, before the season in Detroit from Hard Knocks. Man, I'd go to war with him any day. I trust him. With everything I got in my soul, I trust this man. He's a hell of a coach. AG, come up here, man. Dan, I appreciate it for allowing me to come up here and talk. I said this last year, and I'm going to say it again. Man, I have the utmost respect for what you men do because I know it's not easy. I know the grind. Man, I know how it is get on that grass Man, for two and a half hours, I got to fight. I know how it is. So, man, I respect you. But, man, it's time for, for a change. It's time for a change for you as players, for this organization, for us as coaches. Man, I'm trying to get something that's going to stir you up from in the inside, all right, that's going to change exactly who you are as a player, all right, who this organization is, Man, so we can get ready to move forward on this journey. Jonah, 
Where you, John? Right here. Okay, you started at Rutgers, right? And then you went to Ohio State. How many games you lose that year at Ohio State? One game. Every game you played, every every time you woke up to play that game, you felt like you was going to win that game. Brock, where you at, Brock? All right, 2011, y'all went to Natty, right? How many games did you guys win that year? 13 games. How many did you lose? One game. Same feeling, right? Every time you put your feet on the ground that morning, you felt like you was winning that game. You damn right. You knew you was going to win. Winning. Time to get that feeling back. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Time to get that feeling back. At some point, man, we got to draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. All right, man. Dan, anything else? That's it, bro. Let's go, man. Right. We good. So you watch that from the outside, and then you see them start one and six, and you're like, man, they must just be on the verge of melting down. But that speech rings a lot more true when you finish the season eight and two. Yeah. And, and you're again, your only two losses were one to Buffalo barely and one to Carolina. I love the fact he's talking about stepping on the field and knowing that you're going to win. You have to first step on the field and know individually you're going to have to win. I don't know if that's what he was alluding to at all. I really don't know Aaron Glenn very much right now, but confidence is the currency of competition. I say it over and over and over again. It sounds like he's trying to build the confidence of this team, of saying you ought to expect to win when you step on the grass. You ought to expect to win when you step in between those white lines you ought to expect to win when you do it that's I, I it sounds like he's trying to build confidence in these guys but I love Aaron Glenn and I love the fact the Arizona Cardinals are going to talk to Aaron Glenn another defensive mind as you said there's a trend here that is so undeniable it seems like Sean Payton or it's going to be defense the only offensive name, unless I've missed somebody, that they are talking to so far is Frank Wright. Frank Wright. Everybody else is a defensive Frank coordinator Wright. or defensive mind. By yeah. the way, Frank, would you take an OC job? Would you take? I'm just saying. I, I tell you, out man. There. Flores is head <laughs> coach. Out there. Frank Reich is OC. I, I love that. I, I love that. The separation is. But. I know it isn't. But listen, the, di- the the Lions' defense was horrible for most of the season last year. They they gave up huge numbers, but they got better as the season unfolded. Their culture, though, was always special. It was always special. And it's not just because of Aaron Glenn, of course. Dan Campbell, Chris Spielman, they built that. They built that culture. One thing I would say in Aaron Glenn's favor, for sure, is he was part of not just building a culture, but a a massive cultural shift. He was right in the middle of it. And and that's why that speech, that's why we played that, is because that was not to a team that went, you know, 7-10 and last year or whatever. That was a team that won three games the year before. That was a team that had been, coming into this season, a perennial joke. It was like, oh, maybe the Lions will get to three wins this year or four wins this year. So that speech is to a, a group full of guys that obviously had success in college, but were basically the laughing stock of the NFL yeah. for for a while. Honestly, they haven't all been there for a while, but the Lions are consistently the team at the bottom of the standings yes. prior to this year. And for me, right now, it is the culture. And Aaron Aaron Glenn was right in the middle of that culture, as I said, and that's why it makes it special. The Lions culture, could that possibly be injected into the desert? That's the question. 
I love it. Give me the alpha male all day long. It has to start with the head coach. It has to. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Like this response from the 602. Brian Flores comes with baggage and based on his lawsuit pending, would a hire not tie your hands if things did not go well with his coaching? It's an interesting question. We can get more into that, too. Uh, when we come back, more national critics are speaking out on DeAndre Ayton. What does this do to his value if you actually decide to trade him? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sunday, presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, well, you knew this was going to be a conversation once we got past January 15th. Uh, It's obviously been heightened by the fact that the Suns have struggled. And DeAndre Ayton, I I think even the most... consistent DA supporters would say, if anything, he's He's leveled off at best this year, right? Nobody nobody looks and says, oh, yeah, DA's taking a major step forward this year. Like, when when do you think was the peak of DA's run so far? And I say this fully acknowledging and hoping that the peak is still to come. He's yeah. only 24 years old. But but so far, I would say it was the 2021 playoff run. No doubt. No doubt not about even close. it. Not even close. Which, you know what, to me, that was like, we got it. And that's what matters. That is the most beautiful thing in the world when it matters the most. There's DA. Hey, hey, hey. Now we got something to build on. There's no denying that. He was, he was integral, man. And then he went away. They don't make it to the NBA Finals two seasons ago without DeAndre Ayton. That's an undeniable fact. And it made it a lot easier when people were like, eh, I don't know about DA. Well, it was like, okay, he may not be where you want him to be, but he was getting better every he year. He was. That was undeniable. And I would say last year during the regular season, I mean, he was fine. We were kind of all waiting to see what he would do in the playoffs again. He was not the same guy in the playoffs last year that he was the year before. That's not pinning the Dallas loss on him. I think everybody can take pretty sure. equal blame in that loss. But he wasn't we were hoping playoff DA would be a thing, right? Yeah. Even if you can't do it 82 games a year, you're going to do it, what, 60 during the year? And then you're going to do it when the playoffs start. And for whatever reason, he has leveled off this year. I'm first going to play, because we got some audio here, and I think the national perspective on DA is what matters now, because now you're talking about his value if you ever decide to trade him. That could be tomorrow. That could be this offseason. It could be two years from now. Um, so I'm going to start with Jay Williams, who was on the show with us on Tuesday. We asked him about DA, and and Jay's a guy who likes to talk, right? I mean, he yeah. is employed to talk. His answer was was very different than any other answer he's given us on anything. Jeez, I have, I have a lot of emotions around it. Um, I think of a guy who is extremely talented. Um, I don't know if I think of a franchise guy, and the fact that the fact that Wolf, I would tell you, I'm not sure. Doesn't that kind of say something? Boy. Yes, is the answer to that right now. And it's just so difficult. It's difficult uh, because DeAndre Ayton is um, hes one of the guys that I really like. And I love watching him and listening to him. 
But I will say right now that I do believe that DeAndre Ayton has become a mad king. And this is not going to surprise anybody. I've been talking like this for the last couple of weeks in particular. It's the truth. I believe it. You can, you can have a young king. You can have an old king. But you can't have a mad king. And a mad king is somebody that has a ton of talent. And everybody in the room knows it. Everybody. And yet, for whatever reason... You cannot consistently apply that talent game in and game out. It becomes a question of respect amongst his teammates. It impacts his teammates in a very intangible kind of way. Well, so the Jay Williams clip we just played is, is is more towards where I am on this. Like, still kind of hoping he turns the corner, but at a certain point, we are in year five. He he probably is what he is, which again isn't bad, but it's just sort of mind boggling that he isn't better, especially this last month when they could have really used him. But that's that's closer to where I am. Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor on the mismatch podcast this week. Uh, went a little more extreme, okay? So, again, the reason we're playing this is this is a national perspective. If you're out there like, well, I could trade DA, got to get a lot back for him, and I'm kind of in that spot. Like I told you yesterday, I don't yeah. want to trade him just for pennies on the dollar. I'd rather just keep him. I think he has more value here. But I hear what you're saying, that we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But if this is the national perspective on him, they're not going to be able to get anything for him. Here's Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. You've got Aiton's name that's kind of back out there again. That's who they got to get rid of is DeAndre and He's been the biggest disappointment. He said yeah. it himself pre-draft, Chris. My NBA goal is to get to my second contract. He got a yeah. second contract, and he's been lazy. He's not put in the same effort that he ever has in recent years. He was playing for the deal, it feels like, to me watching him this year. And I like DA. I love DA, what he grew into for Phoenix. But this version of him, it, 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 You'd it move is. You'd move off it. It's an embarrassment. I would say this, wow. Wolf. DA. That, that seems strong. To well, me. there's more. DA says stuff. Like, that's part of the reason yeah. why I think a lot of us like him is, is he yeah. just says stuff. So I'm not going to hold it against him that when he got drafted, he's like, I'm playing for my second contract. But I, I will say, I understand why him saying that and then seeing how he's played this year, it looks like that. It, yes, it absolutely it looks like, hey, yeah, you got a second contract and you stop getting better. Here's here's more from the mismatch. This team needs him without Chris Paul and Devin Booker. You're the guy who needs to step up. You're the guy who needs to box out Steven Adams and put a body on him and try to grab some rebounds yep. and not not play so soft. It's it's Honestly, I, I can't imagine what it must be like to be Chris Paul or Devin Booker, when you've had to be on his ass for years to get him to hustle consistently, then he gets paid, and then in a moment where your your team needs you, he doesn't mm-hmm. step up. I mean, my goodness, I I don't I can't imagine what it's like to be one of those guys right now. Have the frustration they must feel watching Aiton play on the floor, especially against Adams. What a dramatic difference with the level of effort between those two guys. Yeah, so again, I mean, that this is a national perspective. These guys aren't emotionally invested in DeAndre Ayton or emotionally invested in the Suns the way you probably are right now if you're listening to us at your office or driving around or whatever and you, you want to get back to, to feeling the way we all felt when they were up 2 nothing in the NBA Finals. I get it. If Suns fans are like, man, this this guy is, is driving me crazy. He's emba- If you want to use language like embarrassing if you're a Suns fan, that's one thing. But these are guys that have no investment in the Suns, and they are not the only two people we've heard say this. What's really hit home with me is just the fact that we're talking about he needs to step up. He needs to box out. He needs to grab rebounds. He's soft. He plays soft. Think about that right there. He's he's not talking about numbers. He's not. He's not talking about it. 
He's talking about how he goes about his business. This is the thing. DA has just got to realize, he's got to understand, it's how you do something. It's not the what. And if DA will ever grab that, if, if, if the light will go on in the shed, if he'll ever understand, it's the how, man, you do things. Not just the what. Yeah, we want you to score points. Yeah, we want you to grab boards. Yeah, we want you to play some good defense. But how you do that, not just the what, you got to go out and you got to be physical. You got to be aggressive. You got to work for your goods, so to speak. You got to work for your gifts. Man, that's the one thing. If, if DeAndre Ayton would ever understand that, the Suns would have gold in their hand. There is uh, there's a couple more clips from this I want to play. We'll, we'll play them later because we're up against the break now. But it really sort of um, it goes beyond just DA in this conversation. So I want to make sure we get back to this later on. Pick your level of Metallica. Single day tickets from Metallica's M72 World Tour are on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. on LiveNation.com. Two nights, two different sets. No repeat weekends. Night one is with Pantera on September 1st. Night two is with Five Finger Death Punch September 3rd at State Farm Stadium. So as far as moves the Suns could potentially make now going forward, James Jones talked about the upcoming trade deadline. It's about three weeks away. What's on the horizon? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns Day presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Uh, We're going to stick with the Suns here because the NBA trade deadline is in three weeks. And I believe Chris Paul has been ruled out. I think that's what Aaron just told us. Chris Paul's out. So Chris Paul's out for tonight. Not ruled out for the trade deadline, although that's obvious. But uh, he will not be playing against Brooklyn tonight. He was questionable. Uh, So sticking with the Suns, I want to play one more of those clips from the last uh, segment. Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor from the Mismatch podcast because they switched the conversation beyond just DeAndre Ayton and more so what did the Suns do at this point? And again, I think their their outlook on the Suns is is a little more bleak than I would go with. I mean, they are missing a bunch of players. This is not, like I said, Toronto yesterday where they have their players and they're not winning. Suns are missing most of their important players. But here's more from the mismatch. With Phoenix, you look at their roster right now, who are the keepers if you're trying to win a championship? Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges. Yep. Right. Who else? It's not a bright future, Kev. No, it's not anymore. That the bright. Well, first of all, they were the bright future sons. <laughs> then they were the bright now sons. They're neither right now. They need a new name. Is it the bleak future sons? The bleak future sons. I think that's a little extreme. That is, but it does. Man. It does set up an important trade deadline coming up. It's amazing to think this team won sixty four games last year. <laughs> Yeah, 64 games, man. I know they fell apart. I know they did, but they won 64 games. They were the number one seed in the Western Conference last year. And and you, you the Blake Suns. But you do have to be careful. I, I I'm with you. The, that's they're going too far. But you have to be careful because again, two years ago. Utah had the best record in the NBA. Sure. And by the end of last year, they were in full-blown rebuild mode. Not that the Suns are going to get there, but just because, and I fall into this yeah. trap a lot, just because they were in the finals two years ago and they have a young team, and just because they won 64 games, doesn't even mean you're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I know. But once again, when they were healthy earlier this season, yeah. 
They were six and one. You already started six, six and one when when Cam played those first when seven. Cam games, played yeah. those first seven games right there. Six and one. Okay, we'll take sixteen and seven after twenty three games. They were number one in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just saying it's not like this team has been healthy. They haven't been healthy. Injuries. Listen, Basin Onions. I'm telling you right now, um, you never want to look at injuries as an excuse. You never want to say injuries. You know that's why it's that's the reason why we're not good is injuries. But I will say, when you get decimated by injury, it is a reason. You need to point to it and say it. Injuries are going to happen from time to time. You're going to have a starter miss four or five games at some point. When you have your entire line, ex- except for Mikael Bridges, of course, your entire That's line, a given. Yes. Your entire lineup out of the game? It's a whole different ball game. So, again, it's a reason why the Suns are struggling the way they are Uh, right now. I I heard something that just infuriated me yesterday where it was another national show, and they were like, you know, the Suns, you can't use the excuse of injuries this year and then say that your run to the the finals two years ago, you know, the teams didn't have Anthony Davis. It's like people forget Anthony Davis, A, played in that series. B, the Suns didn't have Chris Paul for just as much, basically, as the Lakers. Like, this this convenient narrative of the Suns played three JV teams to get to the finals not just totally ignoring the fact you played LeBron and you played Jokic and you played like you played a, just a string of former MVPs and the Suns aren't missing one guy right now they are missing their entire team minus Mikel Bridges yes the entire starting lineup minus Mikel and there yeah it's just look it drives me crazy it is a reason why the Suns are struggling the way they are right now when you get decimated by injury, it is a reason. Ah, feels good to hear Here we this, go. You know what, Bobby Hurley, Bobby Hurley, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Is this not a game for Bobby Hurley tonight? Is this not it? UCLA, number five. Here we go, baby. Is this not a classic Bobby Hurley game? The underdog. Your Arizona State Sun Devils. This is this is a potential, I would say, turning point for the attention that this team gets. And anybody Big that has gone, gone to ASU knows, unfortunately, the pattern. It's just kind of a it's kind of a, a running joke, but it's a laugh so you don't cry sort of joke among ASU uh, alumni of you know right when the football team or the basketball team plays really well, gets to a key point. Okay, everybody's watching. That's when they go into a tailspin. It just seems to be that way. Well, tonight is a chance, another chance to turn that corner, and they have earned it. I do not understand how ASU is not ranked, but they will be if they win tonight. 15-3, and three, uh, they have responded to that U of A loss with four straight wins over Washington State, Washington, Oregon, and Oregon State, which, you know how the Pac-12 is. If you're going to go on a run in conference, you're a pretty good team. Usually even the decent Pac-12 teams, it's kind of like once you get in conference, you win two, you lose yeah. one, maybe you win three. It's a big one tonight, though. UCLA number five overall. Uh, in the nation, and you have two teams that are a combined 31 and 5 hitting the floor at Desert Financial Arena tonight. Can I tell you right now, you just have this overwhelming feeling, do you not, my brothers, that the team that plays the best defense tonight is going to win this well, game? Well, ASU likes to play defense. You know, I, I, I realize they do. They like to play defense, but they're also not bad. Think about this right now. UCLA, number two, of course, in the Pac 12 in scoring. Number two, guess who's number three? ASU. Yeah. No, it's, I mean they're they're they are there. The at this team point. that plays the better defense tonight, man. I, you just think this is the team that's going to win this game, man. 
And I think there's going to be a massive chip inside the Sun Devil's heart. Bobby Hurley is going to cultivate that. <laughs> cultivate it, grow it, massage it, make that thing make that thing real for tonight. It, it feels like... And not that it's a three-team race, but it feels like there is a top three right now in the Pac-12. I mean, if you want to compare ASU to U of A, and I get the ASU lost to U of A. I'm not saying they should be ahead of them, but I'm just saying how close maybe they are. U of A is 11th in the country, right? 15-3, and 4-3 and three in conference. ASU's unranked, 15-3, and 6-1 and one in conference. Yeah. So, again... Should they probably be ranked? Yeah. If they win tonight, though, they're going to have the same oh, record. Gonna in, they're going to have the same record as UCLA and the same record in conference as UCLA, and they will have beaten UCLA. Now, it's, it's a big if, right? UCLA's number five for a reason, but this is... That's a huge, huge game in Tempe tonight, and it's a late one, too. Yeah, and what's really cool about it, too, it does give the uh, Sun Devils a real opportunity of getting into the top 25. What, 11 teams in the top 25 went down last Saturday. 11 teams. That that was, what what, it, what was it in the report? Tying a record that stood for 12, 12 years. 12 years, yeah. Think about that yeah. for a minute. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of movement, of course, in the top 25, and there's no denying the fact they win this game, they're going to be they're going to be in that thing. It, it doesn't feel like there's a truly dominant team yet, at least this year. Here's Bobby Hurley on with Bickley and Murata talking about this matchup tonight. Well, I mean, they, they defend first of all. I mean, you could talk about individual players, but Mick Cronin gets after them to play defense to play that end of the floor extremely hard. They they're uh, forcing their opponents into 17 turnovers a game, which is uh, a really good number uh, in terms of creating turnovers. So rock solid defensively, and then uh, you know when you watch guys like. Uh, Hawkes and, and Tiger Campbell play. You just got a lot of respect for how they play the game. Uh, Hawkes just plays so hard. Uh, you know, he's so impactful at both ends of the floor. And then him and Campbell really—you could tell they played a while together. They really play off each other very well. So it's uh, you know it's a team that you touch on that have a number of guys that have played a lot of basketball together. So they're a very uh, very close knit team that that understands and knows how to win. Yeah, I listen to Bobby Hurley, and I think, okay, they're going to be playing at home tonight. It's UCLA. That's going to grab your attention, of course. This is an underdog game. It just seems to align with everything Bobby Hurley is and how he coaches, his coaching style, the fact that defense, a team that plays the best defense tonight, I really do believe is going to win the game. Rebounding, ASU is a very good rebounding school as well. Number three in the pack. I, I just... It seems to be aligned right now. If not now, when? It would be really nice to see ASU, because this is kind of a crossroads game. If you go out there and you lose tonight, it doesn't end your season. But you're you're kind of back to just flying under the radar. You won't be a top 25 team again, which only matters so much. But it kind of feels like you're going down the path where you're going to have a really good season and you're going to have to sweat it out on Selection Sunday the way you wouldn't have to if you were U of A or UCLA with the exact same resume. But you're not. You're ASU. So people look and they're like, even though it would be, if if you put this exact resume with somebody else, we would be a lot more optimistic about it. It's not the same for ASU. So this is a chance to go down the other 
other path and actually be the team that starts welcoming heightened expectations and being on the national radar. And that's where they've had a hard time in the past. Now, it's different guys on the team, obviously, because it's college basketball and it changes so much. Uh, all right, we come back, back to football. What does Lorenzo Alexander think about the Cardinals hiring Monty Austin Fort as their new GM? We're going to ask the 15-year NFL vet. The lowdown starts next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.